0: Hey, it's Casey Potts, and you've landed in Casey's Corner, a podcast to help us millennial moms overcome the overwhelm of everyday life with confidence, humor, and style. I want you to look at this show as your go to resource, your virtual bestie, or your secret weapon to sanity. I might not have all the answers, but I'm searching for them just like you. Why don't we find them together? So get comfy and get curious. This is Casey's Corner. Welcome to Casey's Corner. I'm your host, Casey Potts. This episode is for the parents of teens. I know you hear me talk about little ones and toddlers, and you miss those days, and now you're dealing with smelly, snarky teenagers. But listen, they're not that bad, are they? So my guest today is Kristen Duke, and she mentors parents of teenagers, helping them to see that they can control their emotions and have fantastic relationships with their teenagers if they're willing to recognize the personal blind spots we might have. You can check out her website, KristenDuke.com, as well as follow her on Instagram at Kristen Duke Chats. I really enjoyed this conversation because it prepped me for what's to come and made me not fear the teenage years as much as I thought I would. Check it out. Kristen, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Absolutely. I'm excited to chat. This is going to be cool because as a millennial mom, I mean, a lot of you guys know I have a five and a half year old. Goodness, she will be six in just a couple of weeks. Um, But. I don't really know much about the teen space. And Kristen, you are like the queen of teens, I feel like I love your content. I've been watching you for years on social media. And I just love the shift you've taken and really diving into the the narrative that parents of teens really should start having. So it's so great to have you.
1: Thank you. I love me some teenagers, so I just get really excited to talk about this. So I'm happy to be here.
0: How old are your kids? Tell us about your kids. So I like
1: to say I have two graduated teenagers. I've got a 22-year-old and a 20-year-old, and they're both boys. And then my girls are right in the thick of it all, 17 and
0: 13. Okay. Yeah. So you, uh, with boys and girls, are you noticing a huge difference in parenting the two different uh, genders? (sighs) Girls have more emotions. (laughs) Tell me about it. I I already (laughs)
1: knew it from myself. But yes, raising girls, I'm like, oh, okay. I I see it. I see it coming out. And, you know, I know how to be a little bit more patient with it than my husband because I'm a girl and I have all the emotions. But I feel like that's the biggest difference. People talk about quieter talkers and I'm like, no, I've got two boys. One's quieter. One's a huge talker. And kind of the same thing with my girls. So, that, that to me is a big difference, it's just emotions more interesting.
0: So, take a minute. I mean, I, I do apologize because I told you to talk about your kids before you talked about yourself. And that is like, mom, oh, such no, a mom no-no. <laughs> no no. No, I'm happy to talk about my kids anytime. Tell good. us about yourself too, kind of where what brought you to this space and kind of what your background is.
1: Yeah. So I, you know, growing up, I always knew I wanted to be a mom. That's all I wanted to do. I was like, I don't want really to have a job. Are you kidding? That's I just want to stay home and take care of my kids and just have fun. And I'm a photographer. And so I also take pictures and, you know, it was a, a nice thing that I could do on the side when my kids were little. And I got into the blogging world uh, about 10 years ago, mostly sharing photo tips. And so I started blogging and then it turned into a lifestyle blog where I shared about my favorite recipes and our favorite travels. And I would love to talk about family togetherness activities. So I've done a lot of here's how we can do fun things with our family and, you know, just geared everything around that. And about five years ago, I think it was my boys were in high school and, um, you know, I, I always hate to bring this up, but it really propelled something in me. There was a school shooting, which, and uh, you know, we all hate thinking about and it's terribly fearful, but one of my teenagers came home and he was so frustrated. And he, his comment was, if the teachers didn't treat us like we were idiots all the time, then maybe there wouldn't be so many stressed out kids. And it really sunk deep in me of, you know what, teachers, parents, adults in general need to stop the narrative that teens are inherently you know, hormonal or annoying or just you know all of the negative that is associated with having a teenager that, Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, there's so, there's just so much negative conversation. It just kind of stirred up something in me. We need to flip the narrative. We need to just show more love and cheer them on. And you know what? Yeah. There's more emotions going on. As I said, with my girls, there's more emotions and we can tolerate it more. One of my favorite quotes lately is teenagers brains and their bodies are under major construction. And so you think about that major construction that's happening. And when you remember that, it, it helps to have a little bit more patience and love and kindness and acceptance of their mood swings or their eye rolls or, you know, whatever it is that gets under your skin. We need to practice tolerating that more and at the same time teaching how they can be better.
0: That I got chills when you said that about just, I wish that the teachers wouldn't treat us like we're idiots because I remember being a teenager and feeling that way of being like, wow, these teachers, these adults, these authoritative figures think that we're complete morons and don't yeah. value our opinions, don't value the voices that we have. And really, you know, is, is this a society thing that kind of teachers are taught or... It's so weird, and it's such a mind-opening narrative that you really are creating. I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, and, and I
1: think part of it is there are there are some
0: teens that cause a lot of trouble sure.
1: in school, maybe, for a teacher. And I think they kind of are taking that small group of kids and kind of applying it to all of the kids. And not every teacher and not every parent does this, but um, I think it's just something... It just needs to be more thoughtful and we could do better.
0: So obviously, if we can do better, it does need to start with us. And something that you often talk about is really helping parents to control their own emotions and deal with them and really um kind of do you, well, you tell me, do you look at it as more like car uh compartmentalizing your emotions or how do you piece it all together to like really access your teens.
1: Right. So one of my favorite quotes is you can't control your teen, but you can control yourself. I think teens are responding to the way they're being treated in parenting. Teens are responding to a parent, not trusting them, or they're responding to, um, you know, their frustrations, whatever it may be. And so what I'm really trying to help teach other parents is control your own emotions. Yes. What they did was annoying or frustrating or exhausting. And they're not listening to you after the 10th time or whatever. And you can still request X, Y, Z without the emotional unleash onto them. We're trying to teach them to be an upstanding adult controlling their emotions. We need to control our emotions When we're dealing with them, because we all know that
0: modeling is the best form of teaching. So I don't know. Did I answer your question? (laughs) No. Yeah, you did. You did. I mean, what are some ways? Really, you know, would we get to that point? Again, I'm not there in the teen space yet, but I can only talk about in the toddler space and in the little kid space where I totally hit my boiling point very quickly. And I know with a lot of the people that I've talked with, a lot of experts and influencers in the parenting space, we talk about the fact that we really just kind of are so overstimulated that by the time our kids come home from school or whatever, and they're adding more on more questions, more touching, more background noise, it gets really overwhelming. So what are some ways that we can kind of help control those emotions before they right. kind of so, go? Well, well, and I love that you
1: <laughs> the toddlers and all the parents of the toddlers or the preteens. I love that, you know, you can prepare for the teenage years now. And there's a lot of comparisons of toddlers and teens and kind of people jokingly say, Oh, the teenagers are like the toddlers. And in a sense it is because toddlers are, you know, in this phase of just learning to use their body and their emotions. And then there's a time where it's somewhat kind of figured out. And then there's this drastic change and the teenagers are kind of going through the toddler phase again. So, I mean, So a lot of the same principles apply. Sometimes mom needs a timeout. Sometimes you just need to say, a lot of it is if you're finding yourself really frustrated when you're talking to your teenager, say, I need a few minutes. Maybe I need an hour. Let's reassess this tomorrow. You know, coming back to it. And I find I have to set a reminder in my phone because life goes crazy and I forget. And you need to learn to calm down and your team needs to calm down and then you can come back. I like to call it brainstorming together. You know, brainstorming or just getting together and saying okay you were frustrated i was frustrated let's come to a compromise let's i want to hear you out and it's just like talking politics with somebody when you disagree i want to hear you out you validate you listen you say i can see where you're coming from i can see why you're frustrated and i'd like you to hear my thoughts on the situation as well it's just kind of coming to this mature place like you would with a coworker and saying let's talk about this let's figure out how we can come to a compromise and a lot of times it just means stepping aside and taking a breather and then coming back.
0: I gotta tell you, you just gave me so much hope because my daughter is so strong willed and so opinionated and has so much attitude at almost six that people joke all the time, like, oh, just wait till she's a teenager. But what you just said actually makes me look forward to it because I will be able to have such a more adult conversation with her. She'll be able to understand, like, no. I have no time to talk to you right now because the conversation we are going to have right now is going to be way more explosive than the one we could have in like 45 minutes. So right. there's so much hope and there's so much value in those older, more mature teen conversations. Oh, yeah, it's
1: so it. fun. <laughs> I it like really it. is so fun. And they're smart and they're witty and they just, they get things. It's so fun to have a conversation with an older teenager. And, and I have found not all of my kids are talkers. And so I'm a huge talker. And so I've had frustrating moments where I'll, you know, ask a question or say, you know, tell me about the day and they don't have that much to say. And so learning to work with what they feel comfortable with and allowing them to the space to say, I don't really want to talk right now. And when you give them that space, it opens up the door to a mutual respect so that maybe they want to talk in an hour. And I'll say, Hey, what about in an hour? You think you'll feel up to it? Or You know, later tonight. And sometimes I just need to not talk. And so I've had to learn to respect that as well.
0: Yeah. No, that's interesting. And kind of figuring out how to manage the dynamics in your household as well. I am my, the gerbil is on the wheel in my head. And I'm like, oh my goodness, there are so many things that I'm kind of learning about how the expectations that myself or my husband might have on our little child isn't matching up with what she's ready to share or if we are asking her about her day, but really she's so drained. But when she's talking a mile a minute, two hours later and we tell her to be quiet, it's like that's when she was ready to talk. So, oh man, that was a a (laughs) little nugget. Um, But one thing I want to ask you too, is that there are things that we can say as parents to our kids that we unknowingly Say that are actually pretty harmful. And I know you share a lot of content on social media about this. Can you just go through a couple of them that are really, or that were really impactful for you? Yes. Okay. So you said damaging things that we tend to say. Yeah. Harmful saying? things we unknowingly say to our kids.
1: So I think one of my favorites is, is don't shit on your team. <laughs> And I like to say it quickly because it sounds like you're swearing, and it sounds like you're like, wait, what? Totally. It should, the word S H O U L D, should. And so I think there's a lot of shoulding that happens. Like, oh, you know, you should wear your hair back like this so it's not in your face. And then, oh, it just looks so much prettier. Or, oh, you should put a jacket on. It's cold outside. That's a popular one because kids don't like, teens don't like to wear jackets. Right. Or you should really work on your homework now instead of after dinner because you're going to be tired. And when you're shutting on your teens, you're not allowing them the space to choose. You're not allowing them. It actually lessens the confidence in themselves when you're constantly saying you should, you should, you should. Um, and even one of my daughters has a little anxiety and gets nervous about texting her friends. And so she would say to me, oh, what do you think about this text? And she'd have a text around And in my mind. I thought, oh, I might've worded it differently. And at first I was kind of saying, oh, maybe you should delete that line or you should add that line. And even though she asked my thoughts, I, I found every time it almost caused her more anxiety because right. I think she just wanted me to look at it and agree and say, that looks great. And I learned to do that over time because I mean, there's not a lot of teenagers that are asking their parents- To, read, know, their text? But, no to read their texts? No way. read their What's your advice on this? And I learned, I want to boost her confidence in herself. I want her to get to the point where she's not asking my opinions, which, you know, sounds heartbreaking as a parent, but I want her to have that confidence in herself that she types out a text and she just sends it and doesn't feel like she has to have any, anybody to look over it and say, Oh yeah, that looks good. So I learned to do that. And I just kept saying, Oh, that looks great. And she doesn't really ask him anymore, (laughs) which, you know, is kind of one of those funny things, but you know you kind of want to, the, the saying about parents is you end up working yourself out of a job. Like the hope is you're training a child to be a teenager, to be an upstanding adult so that they don't live in your basement till they're 50 years old. You know, as much as that sounds kind of fun, if that actually happens, you don't want that. We want them to be independent and confident in themselves. And so the shooting, if you could just figure out how to eliminate the word, that's kind of my first tip is Try and just eliminate the word altogether. And there's some creative ways that you can suggest things. And I've kind of learned with advice is I've got a lot of advice. Listen, I've got wisdom. I have lived life. If only my teenager would listen to me, I've kind of learned to say, hey, do you want to hear my thoughts on it or on this subject? And they'll say, "Mm, not really. And if you have a trusting, connected relationship, they feel safe saying, no, thank you. Mm. And you need to accept that. And maybe another day say, Hey, I've been thinking about that a little bit more. I'd love to share my thoughts with you and just be choosy about the advice that you give because you want to help instill confidence in them as much as possible.
0: That's true. And when you're talking about the getting the getting rid of the should, which I really like that. Um, Would you suggest, especially maybe if they aren't in the teen years yet, maybe on the earlier side, is this the opportunity to just give them that direction? So rather than saying, oh, you should put a coat on, just put a coat on or what do you how do you kind of balance between the straight up direction and getting them to do what you're hoping that they're going to or what you need them to do, really, right, as opposed to letting it be like a suggestion?
1: Right. And there's so many situations that we could take and so many, you know, rabbit holes we could do. for the coat. For example, I'm thinking I'm cold when I go outside, I want a coat on. So I'm not uncomfortable. If they don't want a coat, who cares? You know, it's, they're not going to get pneumonia. You know, that's been disproved, right? For whatever reason, like you're not going to catch a cold, you're going to be cold. But I mean, it's usually just a small window for me they're walking from the car to the school. It's two minutes of not having a coat on and they don't like to carry coats around school because it's annoying and they're in school all day and it's warm. So they'd rather just be cold for two minutes on the (laughs) way. I don't know, whatever. And some kids are walking to school. So it's different. No, I like to think of the toddler thing. You know, I, I don't remember hearing this when my kids were little, but instead of saying, Hey, we're having macaroni and cheese today. And they're like, Oh, I don't like macaroni and cheese. You say, would you like, chicken nuggets or macaroni and cheese. And I think kind of providing options and allowing them to choose, would you like grapes or apples? And they choose one or the other. And I think you can say, would you like to wear a coat and be chilly for a few minutes? Or, you know, it's not even necessarily asking that, but I think it's just helping them to come to their own conclusions, asking the questions or sparking up the conversation to help them come to their own conclusions, because if they can feel confident in those small decisions then they can feel confident in making bigger decisions that actually have a heavier weight to it.
0: Mm, that makes sense. And I think that it is, it's such a balance in trying to figure out, what is the appropriate parenting direction that should be given right? or what yeah. is it that we can let them kind of make a decision on? And because it is all about balance, I'm curious your thoughts on basically that balance of how to, you you talk a lot about how to be a fun mom, but there's a balance between being a pal and a parent. So tell me a little bit about sure. that. Yeah. So being a fun mom to
1: me is not necessarily a permissive parent that just lets them do whatever you want. Being a fun mom to me is just, I feel like so much of a mom's load is the mental manager of the house, like keeping everything organized. Like I got to make dinner. I got to go grocery shopping. I got to pick them up at five o'clock. I got to, drop them off at seven o'clock and planning ahead for Christmas. And I'm ordering Christmas, you. you know, like it's this mental load that my husband just doesn't have. And so it's, there's just a lot on the plate. And so I think, um, just finding a way to infuse fun, such as, um, I don't know. There, there's so many different things It can be from like going for a one-on-one outing. Hey, you know, let's go get some ice cream. Let's just do something that's not, we have to go here. We have to make this. We have to do this. Something, you know, slightly out of the ordinary or just, I mean, I find myself, Um, I don't like my boys when they were in high school love video games and I hate video games. I want me to sit down and play. This, that's too, no, I'm not interested in video games, but I, I want to be interested in what they're interested in and in stepping into their world. And so there were a few times where, I just unexpectedly said, Hey, can I play? And they'd look at me like, What? Because they know that I don't love it. But they're kind of excited about the idea of me sitting next to them and doing a controller. And I was like, How do you do this? Or even just looking over their shoulder and saying, What's this game? And tell me, Where are they going? And just being interested in the things that they're interested in, whether you're interested in it or not. Or, you know, it snows here where I am in, in Colorado. And, you know, my kids would run out into the snow and build a snowman. And for me, I'm like, I'll I'll watch from the window. You know, it's too cold. I don't want to no. And so just every once in a while surprising them and just saying, All right, let's build a snowman. <laughs> and they're like, What? You know, it's kind of doing the things that you really don't want to do, but it's fun and it, it helps them think, my mom can be fun and not just, oh, we got to go here and we gotta do this. And how are you doing in this? You know, having the fun helps build that connected relationship beyond the the mundane things of the day.
0: I feel like you also just kind of segued or introduced a bigger point of like, at what point did mom stop being fun? And that like that we say no to the fun, right? How right. Many times do kids say, mommy, come play with me. And like, no, I have to make dinner or no, I'm folding laundry or no, I'm doing this. And it's, I never really thought about it until you just said it, but there's something very interesting there that I don't know where that came from. What do you think? You know, I, I remember
1: when my kids were little, I was just thinking about this the other day. I was not, it wasn't a talent of mine to sit on the floor and play the Legos or play the cars. And I would see some friends do that. And I, was like, I, I cannot, no. <laughs> and so I found I had fun with my kids by adventures. I loved, I yes. feel like when I'm at my home and maybe it's because I work from home or the house is a mess or so there's always duties. I would just say, we're leaving. When, my, when they were toddlers, we went to the library. We did the library without fail every week. We had a play group without fail every week. And I had so many friends that were like, oh, I scheduled an appointment for this. And I'm like, no, my appointment is the library. My appointment is this playgroup park or whatever. And I found just getting out of the house. That's how I... Was a fun mom. Yeah. (laughs) It's by doing the fun. Oh, that's so so true. I, I felt guilty for so long for what I didn't do. And I had to remind myself no, this is what you do, and it's enough. And so, whatever fun is for you, find a way to bring your kids into that same fun too
0: that's so true. I think, and as I look back to, I think that the majority of the memories and fun that I had growing up were like things I went and did with my mom or, you know, silly little adventures that we had. And just yesterday, Kennedy and I had one of our silliest, funnest adventures where they, we found out they were discontinuing the popcorn at Starbucks, which is our, her favorite popcorn. I have I to saw admit. I on
1: your story. That's yeah.
0: so cute. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, six different stores were like oh no that's discontinued no no we're sold out no we don't have it so I told her I was like all right we'll go into the one at Target and see and they had the shelves lined and she ran up to it she just hugged (laughs) the shelves and grabbed like an armful of popcorn and I was just silly I was like you want another one get another one put another one in put another one in put it like so we got like 30 bags of popcorn but at that like that's something she's going to remember that oh, we went sure. and just filled up a cart with her favorite popcorn because we didn't know when we would see that popcorn ever again and you know just had a fun thing and then we as we walked around Target she just kept saying mommy who gets 30 bags of popcorn <laughs> like we just kept making a joke oh, about it. Oh, I love it. That is so fun. Yeah, and that's to me that was 10 times more fun than sitting on the floor playing Barbies for an hour because and for I think sure. it really was for her too because It was more of a memory, not just something that was so very routine of like an hour of playtime, you know?
1: Right. And I love sharing stories like that because I think some people think, oh, I'm not fun or I don't do anything. And so I really try and point out what I see other people doing or, hey, I just had this idea like for my teenagers, um, I liked to involve their friends and I brought them you know, McDonald's happy meals one day for my daughter and her three best friends. And that's a way of being fun. I want my daughter to remember I loved her. I loved her friends. I brought them McDonald's, you know, just things like that. And I like to try and share those ideas without being like, Hey, check me out. You know, this is what I did, but, um, don't need just to say I'm, I'm a I'm cool mom. <laughs> yes. I'm trying to be a cool mom. I'm trying to be a fun mom, but because See, I talk about it enough, like, Hey, I've never done this before. I did it it was, it was a pretty neat experience. Maybe you can try it too. And people are like, Oh, I can be a fun mom. I can, I can bring lunch to their friends. Maybe, you know, there's just fewer and fewer things that you can do with your teen. And so trying to be creative of ways to be fun is great to be able to share. And like your popcorn idea, maybe it's not popcorn. Maybe it's something else for someone else. And they're like, Oh, I heard this one time. I'm going to do this too. And so I love to share ideas like that.
0: Exactly. I just, I felt like it was, it was a core memory moment, especially well because earlier this week she acquired a goldfish from a, a school carnival, oh, and man. the goldfish did not last oh, like more than thirty was. hours because they never do, Gosh. and that was traumatic. That was oh, very oh, traumatic no. for her. She was devastated. So yeah. I'm glad that we we figured out yes, the popcorn place. Yes, yeah. with fun. Well, one more question, and before we start to wrap up, I want to ask you. You mentioned something uh, in your content and on your site about a personal blind spot, and I think I understand it, but I want you to explain because I think that it's such a cool little uh, mindset. Oh, you know, I'm kind
1: of dedicated this year to trying to uncover blind spots, and I'm actually working on. uh, It was going to be a course, and I'm going to do something else with it now. But just, I feel like we all have blind spots in life. No. And you don't really know what they are until somebody points it out, which can be painful. And so, you know, the shooting is one example of, you know, I, people likely don't know what they're doing that is detrimental. So I kind of made this long list of here's some blind spots that are, that tend to happen in parenting. And and here is what it looks like, and a lot of it is say this, not that, or whatever. And um, you may be saying this. One of the ones that I remember I talked about last November, and I need to bring up this video again, is about gratitude. I think we're all trying to teach our kids to be grateful, and instead of you know, there's different ways of saying, oh, what do you say? And they kind of know to say thank you, but if you want is still, what are some things that um, you may be doing that breaks connection through gratitude? And so one of them that I remembered from my childhood is, um, you know, I was a grumpy teen at times. I feel like I was a pretty good kid, but my mom would try and, you know, ask questions about certain things and I didn't want to answer. I, I like I felt a little bit more private. And I remember her one time saying, I've over backwards for you. And this is how you, you show me your gratitude. Like she would tell me that I was ungrateful. And of course like, that's painful. And I shared that video last year and so many people said, Oh my gosh, I say that. And it wasn't until this moment that I realized how detrimental it really is. So I'm kind of trying to dig deep and say, okay, if you want your kid to be gra- grateful, here are some things that you might be doing that is the opposite of teaching gratitude. And so I've kind of had to flip, you know, instead of saying, Oh, teach them to be grateful by this and this and this. No, if you're, if you're telling them they're ungrateful, that's probably where it's coming from. So just trying to help point out, if you're saying this, this is breaking connection, and this is likely a a blind spot that you don't realize, but it's actually really detrimental. So just kind of pulling out some of those things and and I'm trying to do it in a gentle way because I don't want people to see it and be like, Oh, she's, she's shaming me for the way that I'm parenting. What I'm trying to say is you may be doing this. And if you are, this is likely why your teenager doesn't trust you or doesn't talk to you or doesn't want to be near you because you're, you're treating them like they're ungrateful and they probably feel like they're a pretty good, grateful person in their heart. So just kind of flipping it around and saying, if you're doing this, just consider doing something different or saying something different.
0: I think it really is hard for a lot of parents to take that moment to reflect back on themselves and see kind of what actions, what comments, what body language even are we expelling that is really having an impact on our kids? Because I mean, as we now are older and more aware adults, we look back and realize the way that we were spoken to or the way we were treated as kids and how that shaped who we are. So, how are we not more as, a, as aware adults flipping that already? It's so it's so eye-opening, it really is.
1: Right. And I've seen a lot about cycle breaking, about breaking cycles. You know, I didn't have abusive parents, I've really loving parents. Who right. Provided a happy childhood for me. And I feel like it was all great. And, but I think we can all maybe dig a little deep of, okay, this is something that maybe my parents did that didn't make me feel good. And I can do something about it and I can have hopefully a more connected relationship with my teenager by treating them. And it goes back to what we said at the beginning of, you can't control your teen, but you can control yourself. I can control the words I say. I can control my body language. I can control my frustration And teach them how to better control it themselves through how I behave.
0: Oh, that's so true. Well, to wrap up, I always like to give the listeners kind of something tangible they can go and bring into their everyday life. So can you give us three things that we can do right away to improve the communication with our kids? Okay.
1: (laughs) So I'll I'll probably summarize some of what I already said, but maybe, you know, think about don't don't should on your teenager. Think about the word should. And it can start when they're toddlers and, you know, when they're preteens or, or whatever. Not using the word should. Thinking about, um, I, can't, I don't think I've said this yet, about getting curious, not furious. So like if you okay. if you get curious and ask questions instead of, you know, they come in late for curfew. I can't believe you did this, boy. That's getting furious. And that's freaking out. And mm. there's a whole thing on that. Um, but get curious and say, hey, do you know what's on your curfew is? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I'm just curious why I didn't hear from you that you were going to be late, or I'm curious if you had a friend that maybe needed some help and you just didn't have a chance to reach out to me, you know, that's the kind of getting curious instead of furious. I like that. And then, um, you know, just, uh, thinking about how you can control your own emotions, think about your response I mean, and you can practice on any relationship. Maybe it's with a spouse, maybe it's with a sibling that you feel like, you go off the handle sometimes when you can, you can apply it in all the relationships of your life of um, we all have blind spots and just kind of figuring out what they are. And sometimes that means asking, I I strongly recommend people talking to their teenagers and say, Hey, what are some suggestions you have for me? I want to have a better relationship. And what are some blind spots? You know, it, it, they might not understand what you're saying there, but just going to them and saying, what where do you think i have room for improvement as a parent? and the trust so that can be for them too. it is. it's nice. empowering and if you can go in humility and say i want to i want to do better and maybe they'll say yeah when i when i come home from school you just ask me a million questions and sometimes i just want to sit on the couch and veg and you can say okay i know i appreciate that feedback how about dinner time does that feel like a good time you know to talk instead and a lot of them just want to chill when they get home. They're just tired, right? And I know I used to get my feelings hurt of like, why, why don't they want to talk to me? But <laughs> they, they were more willing to talk later. They just, they're done with everything when they come home from school. So I don't know. What did I say? My third
0: was just the ask blind ask spots. The blind spots.
1: Yes, and how, asking how
0: them. Which, yeah, I love that idea because again, it goes back to the beginning when we were talking about how kids don't want to feel like they're idiots. Like, yeah. we are giving them, empowering them with the ability to improve the way that they're parented. Pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> pretty yeah. awesome. And it, and it builds trust in the relationship, and ultimately, that's what we want: is a trusting relationship as a team, as their adults. That you can have that mutual respect for each other. Uh, I love that. Well, Kristen, tell everyone where they can find you, what might be coming down the pipeline that we should be on the lookout for. Okay. So I'm
1: on Instagram every
0: day, Kristen Duke chats, and I talk a lot about parenting teen hot topics
1: from dating to cell phones to mental health and everything in between. And some of the products that I have are, have some digital conversation cards and people are like, I don't know what to say, how to talk about about dating and about cell phone use and just all of those things. And then I am working on something specifically for parents with blind spots. And if you go to kristenduke.com, which is my website, you can get a freebie that I have that helps with connection and some ideas for being a fun mom as well.
0: I love it. Well, we'll have everything linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I really appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. It was fun. See you soon. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure to rate and review the episode, or better yet, do me a favor and go ahead and give this a share over on your social media. If you're on Instagram, be sure to share it in your stories and tag me at it's Casey Potts, and I'll be sure to send some love right back. Stay tuned for more podcast episodes. You can also find me over on Instagram or on YouTube by searching Casey's Corner with Case. See you real soon.